Weird Norfolk is a magical collection of the unusual and inexplicable in the county. From folklore to ghosts, witchcraft to natural wonders, magic to enchanted places, we tell the kind of stories you share on dark nights around a campfire. I'm Stacia Briggs and I write Weird Norfolk. And I'm Shifa Connor and I curate Weird Norfolk. Welcome to Weird Norfolk. On today's episode, we're going to be having a chat about hikey sprites. Quite excited. Time has come. Uh, We're still on Zoom, unfortunately, because Mm. reasons which are obvious. We have to try not to talk. It's not as easy not to talk over each other, is it? No, no. But um, I'm hoping I'm going to sound a bit better today because I figured out how to make the microphone that we usually record with. I figured out how to plug that in. Um, Stacia says I sound less robot-like already, so that's you a good time. Sound less tinny today. Yeah. Like, it'll probably be me now. <laughs> well, it's really weird because yours always sound yours sounds fine to me. So I think your like microphone on your computer must be better. Well, so. that's the benefit of Apple Max. <laughs> Add. <laughs> and um, actually, before we get on to hikey sprites, I just wanted to give a shout out to um this really really cool illustrator called Josh King and he you may have noticed on our last episode we had a really nice illustration for um the green lady of of Cossie and he's done illustrations for the next three podcasts so he's done one for hikey sprites we're not going to tell you what the other ones are yet though I don't want to spoil that but yeah go follow Josh on Instagram I'll tag him on this um but his work's really good I really like it it's fun having an artist working with us, actually. It is. It makes you feel quite quite proper and grown up, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Actual grown-ups. <laughs> I think we're a bit a bit away from that. But anyway, so... Funny, I've just sprites. eaten, like, half a packet of marshmallows. Marshmallows? Have you? Marshmallows. You haven't had any fizzy pop, have you? No, no fizzy pop. But, yeah, loads of marshmallows, so I'm feeling a bit like... <laughs> <laughs> Don't have pop. It's my advice. <laughs> anyway, hikey sprites. So mm. I took a little bit of your copy, which I'll just read out as a nice little introduction to these little fellas. Uh, Linger too long in an isolated place while twilight falls and you risk a visit from the elusive hikey sprites, the curious creatures that creep from the shadows at night and which serve as a timely warning to keep walking towards the light. The Boggets of the Norfolk Folklore World. Exclusive to Norfolk, the elusive hikey sprites have terrified and delighted believers in the county for generations. The shadowy fairy folk who punish bad behaviour and are a cautionary reason to steer clear of dark paths through forests, a cross between a guardian angel and a headmaster brandishing a slipper. Mm. So they are... So special, aren't they? And and very super Norfolk. Yeah, and there's something about hikey sprites. I don't know. I love them. You love them. I we really waited a long them. time. Yeah, like this. And it's, it's really like they were actually weirdly one of the first folklory things specific to Norfolk, other than Chuck, that I'd come across. Um, mm. When we first started doing weird Norfolk, so that was like 2017, I think. That was before we were doing the podcast. And I kept them squirreled away <laughs> for 
ages and I kept just I kept thinking is it the right time no it's not the right time and we waited and waited and waited and we were like right now is the right time and we Mm. did it I think in 2019 we did a feature on them for the paper and it was just it was exactly the right time wasn't it because we had a a wonderful encounter (laughs) we did not with a not with a hikey so 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 we were at the what was it it was the pagan moot they had like um I can't remember what they called it it was basically like a fair Mm. with um lots of real life sheep when we could actually go to things oh it feels like I met the ichne as well for the first time that was like the best day I think you should share that picture too if you just explain what the ichne is quickly the ichne is kind of like um a Mary Lloyd is that how you say it Mary Lloyd um creature but for Norfolk so it's um a horse's skull with baubles for eyes that opens and closes its mouth and mm. makes like a really interesting I don't know there's something about that noise it's like a clacking noise isn't it mm. of its mouth got coming to together. lead him didn't you yeah I got to lead the ichne which was, was one of the so best days of my life ever I think that shows on the photograph yeah it's definitely on my Instagram that picture of you but then, um, so we met the ichne and then also the like undisputed expert basically of hikey sprites was there as well who's this guy called ray loveday and um they, we basically got chatting to him and, and you interviewed him and i sat there with a big grin like on. a broom cupboard on our own with him didn't yeah, we it was really good mm. and he had a cup of tea and he he's what i was thinking about this because when i was reading about my notes and i was reading the quotes that we had used from him and i could hear his voice saying them and he was so quietly spoken, isn't he? And he's so kind of thoughtful. And I was thinking it's very rare I interview somebody who speaks in fully formed paragraphs. That's going to sound really weird. But I think if you're a reporter, you spend half your life cutting out people's extraneous words. We would be a nightmare, you and I. Yeah. Because we don't keep on the path. Um, but he spoke in complete paragraphs. He just talked because he knows this subject so well and loves them so much. Yeah. And it was, do you know, I could actually just listen to him talk about them all day. And mm. but also like as Norfolk about Norfolk, he obviously really loves Norfolk and Norfolk mm. people and the Norfolk dialect. And so listening to someone who's so passionate and like you said, speaks so intelligently. I don't know if that's the right word, but you're right. Yeah. It's like- and evocatively and gently and beautifully and I think particularly about something about that lost law, the lost stories of, of the countryside and the city and mm. collecting them. And he kind of shares the same, well, I suppose he doesn't share our ideals. We share his. Yeah. Uh, let's not say he's following <laughs> us. Yeah, no. follow him. No, I would genuinely say he's like an inspiration for us yeah. because what we have always said that we wanted to do is, is part of the reason we do Weird Norfolk is to try and preserve these stories and try and bring stories back from the brink of being forgotten and without Ray hikey sprites would have been pretty much forgotten by now wouldn't they they'd be gone we might have found them we might have found to be fair yeah I think we we might have done I think we were we look in the right places to find them Mm. but they wouldn't be common knowledge 
well they're not really common knowledge but they would be less common knowledge than they are now but yeah and I think that also explains why we sometimes steer away from the really obvious stories we do do some of the obvious ones but there are lots of obvious stories we've not done yeah yeah that's on purpose basically because like well everyone knows these stories Mm. we 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 really want to find I always think one of the ones that the Strumpshaw I know we always mention the Strumpshaw goat but that's one that not many people knew about which I think we've really kind of brought back and Mm. the Fanes I think the Fanes is a really one that was on the verge of going wasn't it Mm. And, and hopefully talking about hiking sprites again will will maybe spark someone's memory of being told about them. I mean, in, in kind of a nutshell, although you can probably tell, tell us a little bit more about what they're actually supposed to be, but as far as I see it, they are pretty much a bogeyman in, a, in fairy form, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. They're kind of the classic don't go near the, the the forest, don't go into the dark woods, don't go near the, the, the river, don't do this, don't do that, or the hikey spy will be there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not many encounters with, are there? More? No, no. So that's it. So Ray basically wandered Norfolk talking to people and, and collected, like, a huge amount of... Um, <sighs> first person stories didn't yeah they? yeah um but they're all quite similar and, and very few actually kind of give a description of them so so very few people have ever seen them most people it's kind of like you know their mothers saying oh if you don't go to bed soon the hikey sprites will get you or if you go down that road at night the hikey sprites will get you it, it's always been more of that sort of thing and and I think quite beautifully someone um described them to Ray as the sound of autumn leaves Mm. and like you know that makes me think that they're more of a feeling an an idea and a feeling yeah rather than a physical entity yeah maybe more like a nature spirit I don't know I don't know and that's what's so magical about them is there are different some, things to different people. Yeah, there are some reports that they are the, the, the same thing as, as Will of the Wisp or, you know, the Hobby Lantern or those, another nature spirit, really, isn't it? You know, kind of those, those ghost lights that you see on the marshes or you saw on the marshes. Mm. And I, some of the stories I've seen caught up, that's what they're called in that area. Also, quite interesting that it's only Norfolk mm. and it's only parts of Norfolk. So you don't really see the, or you don't hear of the hiking sprites in West Norfolk no. or in South Norfolk. It's the Broads and North Norfolk, which again. Mm. And, and Great Melton. Territory. Apparently they really like Great Melton. Really like Great Melton. <laughs> yeah, They're I actually really, like, found a really nice um, piece about them in um 18 from 1873 which I'll just read out because actually Great Melton sounds like a really interesting place maybe it needs its own podcast episode Mm. um other spiritual visitants are the Heiter sprites a kind of fairy this is something we shall discuss as well in a minute they've got like a million names (laughs) which doesn't help pinning them down about 40 haven't they (laughs) yeah Mm. um the Heiter sprites a kind of fairy rather beneficent than other ones Beneficent, is it beneficent? Benefic- you say, I say benefic- yeah. 
A special habitat for which is a lane called Blow Hill in Great Melton, prettily overshadowed with beech trees. At the end of the lane, by the way, is a beech tree, an old landmark called Great Melton Beach, under which at midnight sits a ghostly woman rocking herself to and fro and nursing a child seeming in great distress. So this area of Great Melton is haunted by a ghost, but it's also the home of the hikey spites. I don't know, it just seems like- It's all going down. We should go there. Oh, let's put, well, we can't go there now because we can't walk in 10 minutes, but you know, another day when we're allowed out. Um, I found one in um, another account, which is on the North Norfolk coast. Mm. Um, And this one's a bit scarier, actually. Uh, So it starts, my great aunt told me something of them. There used to be a lot of smuggling along the East Coast. The Hyter Sprite, memory recalls it as Hiker Sprite, was used, as was Black Shuck, to keep people indoors at night so that the transportation of contraband could be carried out without interference. Watchers would be placed in holes along the marshways and they would have a shaded lantern. Should an intruder happen along, their job was to run along pre-planned routes through difficult terrain. They would allow the lantern to be seen, their movements causing it to flicker. After a distance, the lantern would be doused and any follower would be lost, either by falling into a creek or pit or by the loss of the light. It's difficult to run, follow a light, and avoid dangerous pitfalls. The light would be called by those in the know a hiker spike, and it was said to be a spindly-legged, light-footed bloodsucker. So there we go. So I suppose that probably was one of those smuggler mm. stories to prevent like people like Shuck. Like Black Shuck. Um, but yeah, it's it's. And others said in Worcester, they believed the Haiti the sprites um, were in the cemetery. So, yeah, the, the whole naming thing is quite complicated. Do you it? think it's the accent? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the the chap whose name I'm trying to find out, who's done an unbelievably good... Yeah, so the thing. other... Um... So expert. Ray, so Ray is an expert, and then there was another expert called um, Daniel Rabuzi. Daniel Rabuzi, yeah. And so in the 1980s, I think I, I did trace, but I, I looked through our through the EDP archives for let, the letters and stuff. And I think like late 70s, early 80s, there was a, a letter to the paper saying, "Oh, does anyone remember these?" And Daniel Rabuzi got interested he was actually where was he from was it Denmark or New York I think I was in New York oh, I hmm. thought he was from Denmark. He he's written uh, or he wrote an academic paper yeah on Heike Sprites and he wrote to, to 30 newspapers I think hmm. to ask people for their memories and he got back lots and lots of, of replies and it's an incredibly um I managed to hack into it because I use my son's university account. But um, it's it's a really interesting paper in which he really goes into it in great detail and about the names. And he kind of works, or he, his idea is that it's from an Anglo-Saxon word and it's kind of like a, a an overhang from those times 
to talk about a night demon, he says. Mm, okay. So a bogeyman, in other yeah, words. That's, I was just about to say, well, that's, that is basically a bogeyman. Yeah. And, and one of the things I kind of highlighted um, in my notes about their appearance, they sound like shapeshifters. And mm. like a shapeshifter is like a, a classic bogeyman kind of thing. There is no actual specific like no. appearance. It It kind of, they feed off whatever... I guess they need to I think there are so few physical descriptions aren't there I mean there's two, there's several aren't there two brothers from Sparum I was just about to mention yes. that one yeah that they were slender with long arms and legs and bony fingers and the other that they were tall men wearing black cloaks mm. but as you say it does sound like they're they shape they shift sh- shape shift mm. be careful saying that in order to be the thing that frightens you most yeah it says there was a, a an old lady from Folsham who lived in Hindolverston when she was young and she said they used to come out in the dark and get you when you went to the garden to the closet as in the loo oh. she said adding I never saw them I kept my eyes closed I knew the way because I'd been there so many times that's it and again so that's it. it's that thing of like never seeing them but just feeling like they're mm. there Mm. Do, you, do you think bogeymen are of the fey realm or are they something different? See, I wouldn't say so, personally. I don't, I, I had never thought of them in that way before this. No. I think... I guess I, the name Sprite in this associates it with... Fairies, yeah. With fairies, and obviously I would love them to be fairies. We haven't got any really, have we? Yeah, I mean, I know... I was thinking about this. Norfolk doesn't have any outwardly really famous or well-known fairies, but I know they're here. I know there are fairies here for sure, <laughs> but they're just not spoken about much. So I, I, but I did. It made me really want the sprites to be fairies, but I don't know. It's just whenever you think of bogeymen, you think of something far different, don't you? Bigger. Mm. Um, you know, I I kind of question whether you would have been frightened enough of. Anything. Yeah, I don't think I would have been if somebody said all no. oh, the hikey sprites. You think, oh, brilliant! Yeah, Good. I wouldn't have minded so I much. Carry a while on my way to the water closet this evening. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but if someone said, "Oh, the Gildencroft bogies after like or get you," yeah, you would like, <laughs> not carry a while with him about, would you? No, he's terrifying. But actually, technically. They're kind of the same thing. Yeah. I think Ray said, Ray put it beautifully, didn't he? Um, I think I, we included it in our piece. Do we have an echo, a folk memory of that deep, profound, primeval fear of dark places, forests in particular, where might have lurked sinister forces and entities, human, animal and nameless horrors? These fears eventually coalesced into the ubiquitous bogeyman in a way of controlling recalcitrant youngsters, originally perhaps to control adults to keep them away from areas of risk where enterprises of dubious nature were taking place. Mm, yeah. And that's kind of, you know, you, you see maybe there are, they are our Nellie Longarms, Jenny Greentee, Peg Powler, Tom Poker, Spring Hill Jack, you, I don't. I doubt there's many places without. They just their don't own. sound as like 
<laughs> like Jenny Green Teeth is, and obviously Jenny Green Teeth is terrifying. Mm, and also but a river hag, isn't she? So, mm. you know, these hikey spikes were not confined to a particular know, area. If they were hanging around by your outside loo mm. or near smugglers or in forests, yeah. that's not the same as a river hag who is by definition in a river. Mm. You know, this is yeah. a it does interest me that they're based in the same area that you would have seen you know the the lantern men yeah it's it's and obviously like on um blow hill or cold blow hill whatever again that's an area that has another ghost Mm. like another story attached to it so it's like they are in areas where there are maybe better known folklore i don't know it's weird it is weird i think the i think the fact that there are so many different variations of that name Mm. Um, suggests to me that they were across a large area of the county, if in the same kind of geographical part. Um, it, it really makes you think that this is this is passed down, that this is oral history. Yeah, and the fact that there's so few kind of documented accounts. So the first one I found was um, written down by Sir Walter Rye in 1872 um, where he described he actually described them as a type of fairy and they were briefly mentioned in the EDP in a piece about Black Shook in 1892 and this is interesting actually which is kind of the opposite to the bogeyman it says heighter sprites well wishes to mankind Mm. which is something I wanted to bring up as well there is like there's obviously the bogeyman oh they'll get you uh, kind of thing but there's also this side of them which is quite protective. In in um, 1890, Ernest Suffling said, called the heiter sprites, he called them, fairies of a beneficent disposition so to human beings. So, you know... I don't know they, what benefic- beneficent means. So beneficial to, oh, okay. so, you know, liked, um, good for. So, which makes I me think- feel like maybe they are of the fae. It's like yeah, maybe that's that- kind of like a little bit of both... That certainly makes it more... I mean, you wonder if it started that way and then they became... Because, I mean, frankly, now people are frightened of anything they can't explain, aren't they? Mm. So that, that's another interesting thing about um, about Heike Sprites is that there's very few, if any, recent stories about them. This is a bit of folklore that has gone, as in we are telling the story... Ray told the story, Daniel told the story, but it was just that. It's a story now, and there are no, unless we're wrong, and unless one of you's had an encounter with a hiking sprite, in which case, tell us. But it seems to be that it's, you know, but then what about Black Shuck? I mean, has Well, been- I was just going to say, maybe there are still these encounters with them, because actually, just on a t- before I go into this, there is another thing that they're quite mischievous, so they're kind of like house elves that like, you know, if you've lost your keys, they've like hidden your keys and, mm. and things like that. So maybe people are having interactions with them, but they don't, they're calling them a different name. And that's kind of something that I feel about Black Shook is people are still having interactions with Black Shook, but not realizing it. And maybe saying it's um, like the Norfolk Puma 
or you know like that there's the wolf man kind of big footy beast mm. do you know what I mean like so yeah people, it's just over time the names that people are calling these folkloric creatures change changes with with what people want to associate them with and I also think that Father Christmas has got a lot to answer for here in the in the olden days it would have been if you don't do this this will get you and now it's if you do this then father christmas will see and there will be no presents mm. it's almost like i feel the, the emphasis on the punishment the emphasis has changed and it's more a positive reinforcement than mm. a threat because mm. threatening parenting is not really on vogue. If you heard, I think you would now be shocked to hear somebody threaten a child mm. with an imaginary monster. Yeah. I don't think it's the done thing anymore. So now instead of you saying to your kids, if you don't do this, the hideous thing that lives under your bed that is normally tamed by your good behaviour mm. will come and it will get you without any explanation of what that actually means. Mm. And then it's like the child's imagination. Um, you know, as you know, my nan used to thread my mum with the gills and crossbow all the time. So, and, and she, I, don't, I don't think she ever did that with me, but it was very much now we change our emphasis to the giver of presents who will not come if you don't behave mm. and I think now parents don't kind of say well if you go to the chalk pits that are filled with water you know then Jenny Green Teeth will come for the water and kill you I'd imagine they just say you will drown and yeah you know what I mean Pete there's kind of parenting is far more obvious and boring really because, you know, I did go down to Cossie Lakes because I didn't believe that I would drown. But did your um, mum never say, oh, the hikey sprites will get you if you go in the water there or anything? No, I hadn't heard of them until... Mm. Okay. Until... I had heard of them before we did them. Mm. Had you? Um, did you ever ask your mum if she had heard of them? I don't... I must have I think you must have we probably have had this conversation and she probably said no because I'm sure yeah I think no because I think she then immediately said that the bogeyman they were told about was the Gildencroft bogey so Mm -hmm. my nan already had her arsenal of um, imaginary or not imaginary of uh, paranormal creatures that Mm. she could you know call at any point to get Mm. my mum to toe the line yeah do you wonder if this is just a thought I'm just having now because we're not using or, or their names aren't used their power like it makes the power wane if if they are actual real entities i think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that they may have lost their name but they may still be there mm. so for example when you have that feeling of of something going missing and then it turning up and, and almost being in plain sight and you mm. I think I, c- I can't have missed that and you wonder if that's it because that's in a lot of accounts although that is also a great way to excuse your kind of object <laughs> not being able to see stuff. it wasn't me <laughs> it wasn't me in the words of shaggy it was the <laughs> hindest ones 
but I don't know I think I guess I think- nowadays you would say that was oh it's a poltergeist or it's a ghost I think people use ghosts as an explanation for a lot more than the kind of folkloric yeah supernatural kind of thing don't they these days uh, yeah I, I really do think that I think that in a way the flooding of the market of of paranormal and most haunted and you know, most haunted aren't out looking for anything other than ghosts, are they? No, so no. Everything is a ghost. Maybe we need to start like a folklore, paranormal, like a folklore TV show where we go on the hunt for hikey sprites. Most beastly. <laughs> that would be really good. I'd watch it would that. It would be good. It would be something different. <laughs> I think I, so the number of times I've watched, I think you sent me something the other day to watch and and, you know, you do hear strange things on recordings, but half the time you think, well, you know... Oh, no. that was the tapping on the microphone, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? I don't know. I just think... You just tapped on the microphone. This, what's sad about the hikey sprites is that if this is a shadow of Anglo-Saxon words for night demon, hmm. how have we lost that in a in hundred years? You know, in less than a hundred years... Yeah. How has that gone? It is really, you know, because like the t- people that Daniel and Ray spoke to, they, a lot of the time they were older people. Yeah. And they remember their, either their mother, and it was usually the, on the female side as well. It was usually a mother or a grandmother, which was mm. quite strange as well, I thought. Um, well, I don't think, I think men weren't at that point really weren't involved in childcare. They only got involved had the child done the thing that was wrong mm. and, had, and then it was wait till your father gets home. But actually when it came to that everyday parenting of putting kids to bed, of, mm. of you know, doing the kind of social care part of parenting, I would imagine at that point men had... Yeah, you're home. right. Yeah. And in fact, it was the woman's job to ensure that the children didn't mm. you know, go down to dangerous places and didn't. And maybe in a time when children were allowed out all day, every day, no phones, no way of communication. And that was normal. Mm. You had to put the fear of God into them or the fear of hikey spite into them in order to make sure they were safe. You know, because you couldn't show them a video of somebody after they'd almost drowned. You couldn't pull up a story from the internet I just had a flashback of the uh films we used to get shown at school like don't fly the kite onto the wires oh my god I mean remember that one do you remember the one about was it the one about the drowning the one with oh my god I remember the worst one for me was the train lines I'm still terrified of crossing train lines well that's a really reasonable fear I know why well, I, I, I think it is, but everyone else thinks I'm like a bit dramatic about. No, it. I just have to be terrified of that. I <laughs> think I there's one. Video. <laughs> I think there's one about water yeah. with an awful male voiceover, kind of going. <laughs> but you see, we didn't drown, did we? Nor did, <laughs> nor did we put our frisbee in or kite in a in yeah. a electric skylines. Oh, none of that stuff terrifying but yeah you're right that that stuff obviously that wasn't around so your nana told you the hikey sprites will get anything, you anything in order to keep you away yeah. But yeah it's really interesting that then that generation that like ray and daniel spoke to they didn't pass it on to their children so that was like maybe i don't know but again 
really difficult to pass on those bogeymen to your kids when everything we are told now as parents is to be nurturing mm. and kind. And when and your kids probably just won't believe you and just laugh at you. Yeah, if I said to my, I mean, to be fair, mine are 20 and 22. So if I said to mine, you know, it depends on how much they're drunk at that point. Probably <laughs> they would believe in it. But I mean, I did used to tell them about folklore when they were little. I did tell them about ghosts and, mm. and they are still really interested. But I, would I have told them the argument? No. Because you're no. kind of also thinking, I think, the days of children being too frightened of their parents not to play up or to play mm. up are long gone. If I'd told my kids that when they were little, they'd have screamed all night and I would have had to deal with it. So you know. <laughs> I say all you're doing is actually putting a nightmare in their heads that you're gonna have to deal with. Yes. And and I think in those in the olden days, you wouldn't have told your parents about a nightmare because you'd have had short shrift because they would have been working. 22 hours a day and um, earning a penny a year and they wouldn't have given a monkeys about mm. your nightmares so yeah that's my feeling about it I was just looking at that Anglo-Saxon word that that Daniel Rabuzi thinks is the basis of heiter or hikey and it's heeden bizarrely mm. which is to take care take heed of guard or protect or the Danish height mm. which means also to take care of that's it. So, so that kind of makes height. I think height. So it's spelled H Y T T E, which yeah. hikey and heiter. You can see where that would have come. You know how that would have translated to heiter sprites or hikey sprites. He tells a really bizarre story about how somebody claimed it came from a sermon that was given in Norfolk by a priest. I can't remember what the religious word was. It's something like. I can't remember but it's it's you could see how it would become mm. um and, and it was basically putting the fear of god literally into people to behave but it's interesting uh, their name comes from to protect yeah and to take yeah. care of so actually they're, they're kind of portrayed as bogeymen and scary but actually it sounds to me like their underlying desire is to actually protect people and a few of these bogeys or these bogeymen, bogey women actually do anything, do they? they there might be a, a source story that mm. says they did, but actually, as soon as that source has gone, then their role is to, it, it, it might not be their primary role to stop it, but that's what they do. Mm. They actually do protect, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm just thinking about the Guildencroft bogey again. Like again, that creature never actually did anything to anyone. It never took anyone, or it just kind of scared the monkeys out of around a bit. Well, that's it. But I think now in modern day, so you get like urban legends and things where you actually go, "Oh, a friend of my friend got stolen by whatever." Yeah. Well, that was another thing in 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 this this um, paper, which was that children who were foundlings were thought to be. Hikey sprites. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, that's because I couldn't get the paper. So <laughs> there was a well, you know, um, there was a um, there was a case where the family nickname was Heighty, and it came from the fact that down the line, one of them, one of the men, had been a foundling, and the story was he had been left by 
the Heike sprites, and that's whenever a foundling is discovered, that's who they've been left by. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it, honestly, this is one, it's a bizarre one, very, very, very little about it, almost mm. gone in memory only, but actually when you drill it down, there's loads. Yeah, I suppose because there's so little, it gives us more room for speculation and and like to throw ideas around what they might be, because Mm. there is no wrong answer, is there? No. Because we don't actually know. No, we don't. I mean, is there, was there not one story once that said they were like massive spiders? Oh, yeah. So this is a bit of a controversial... (laughs) Well, there's... um, um, let me see if I can find. Was it Catherine Briggs or somebody Tong? No, it's it's Briggs, isn't it? No relation. No, and they wrote a story. I'm just trying to find. I thought I wrote it down um, because I know I I thought it might come up. It's one of those ones where we have been conditioned not to. No, I did even nearly didn't even mention it. Seriously. <laughs> mm. Um. Okay. So it was. So Catherine Briggs. I think told the story again but it originated with somebody called Ruth Tung Mm. um and she described them or it might be a different one actually she described them as sandy colored individuals with green eyes who could turn into birds Mm. um but that's the only kind of account of that and it's kind of generally looked upon as she made that up Mm. unfortunately my favorite artist ever um Brian Froud has illustrated them in this form so I got really really excited that he had illustrated Heike sprites and then I was like oh no but they're not the right ones they're the wrong ones but that spider one that you mentioned I do remember that but I can't I haven't got it I written couldn't down. find it either but I didn't make that up did I I don't think you did make that up because I feel like I've heard it as well because it sounded terrifying. They were basically giant spiders. I feel like it was near the beach somewhere. Yeah, or the broads. Mm. It was near water, wasn't it? And they were supposed to be some huge, really almost like War of the Worlds style. Yeah, yeah like and really spindly things. Yeah, I remember it disturbed both of us. Unless this is our form of bogeyman. We're having like a joint kind of like that's what they are to us. (laughs) But I remember Ray saying to us that both those accounts should be ignored, and so in our heads we have ignored them and then forgot about them, didn't we? But yeah, yeah, another two. But again, that's folklore misremembered, isn't it? Mm. And but I think that is how, and that is probably how hikey sprites became bogeymen because they may have originally have been like house sprites, you know, helpful around the houses. And then just over time, the stories changed. I don't know. It just develops over time. I wonder if folklore will persist, don't you? If it will, yeah. if we will just hark back to old stories mm. or if there will ever be anything new. Well, I often think, I think things like, Bigfoot in Thetford Forest and things like and, and the Norfolk Puma, we can see that they're both to to me personally, the Puma is shook and Bigfoot is Woodwoes. Mm. So I think that eventually like the Bigfoot and the Puma will become the folklore element and become mm. something else, you know, it'll and then it'll just keep changing over time. But I hope so. I, I kind of hope so because you don't want to think that everything is just, and um, you know, this happened and, and mm. a long time ago. 
you would hope that there would be some new yeah I think people get quite protective over old folklore and and maybe have I get the this is just my two cents on it but think it shouldn't change Mm. and you know only the original tale is the right one Mm. but I don't think that is I think that's the nature for me it's like folklore is about the stories the community tells Mm. and so it will develop over time and Which that's is the way it is, and that's fine. So interesting about hikey spirits is that they, these these creatures that were very Norfolk specific, mm. even within Norfolk, it's kind of holds a mirror up to a society where, or to societies where there were no books or newspapers mm. or accounts that were written down. That this was a story that was told, and then it would it would change slightly when you went to the next village and the next village mm. and every story is slightly different this is yeah. area specific other than Norfolk mm. and that does show with the name doesn't it like each area has its own variant on the name yeah. and, and and like while I'm saying I feel like maybe I'm sounding like contradictory because part, half of me I'm saying oh it's really important that we keep these old tales alive and we're trying not to lose them but also it's okay for them to change um, but I think both is okay. I think it is important to preserve them, but also it's okay if they change as well. Mm. That makes I sense. Just, have the marshmallows yeah. gone to my head? Dear Lord, thank God you didn't have the pop. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant.